Welcome to the Summon Up Podcast. This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and whatever the heck we want. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. I'm joined by my good friend John, and I'm Chris, and we are your co-hosts for the day. John, how are you doing? Chris, I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Oh man, can't complain. Pretty nice day out. Had a solid week of work. Uh, and then it's so ironic that the, the week that I have is just all news. And I know you're just salivating at wanting to write it yourself, but I won't let you. <laughs> I am the I am the gatekeeper. I am the gatekeeper for this uh, this week's episode. So, you want to just jump right into it? Let's do it. We got a lot of stuff to get through. That's right. And so, first thing we're going to talk about is our childhood and also our parents' young adult life watching show. Yeah. So it's Rugrats. It's like while we were watching Rugrats, our parents were watching Frasier. So a new Frasier like kind of reboot and Rugrats reboot is coming to Paramount Plus. Uh, so people are super hyped for Rugrats, but I I told my parents about Frasier and they're like, "What? Frasier's coming back? One of the longest running shows on television and one of the shows with the I think it has the record for the most amount of Emmys on television right now." Wow. I think. I could be wrong. But it's won a ton of Emmys. Uh, so it is an Emmy-punching machine. And so Paramount Plus launches March 4th. And it's going to be a $10 ad-free type of service. And then in June, they're going to come out with a $5 uh, ad version so that it's cheaper. And so far with the new Frasier, only Kelsey Grammer is confirmed to come back. And who was Frasier? And then the original voice cast is coming back for Rugrats. So that's kind of a win-win with both franchises. But this is a big moves by uh, Viacom because they had Investor Day. This is just coming out of nowhere. They're, they're swinging real hard with Paramount+. Plus. John, what is this, this going to do for the industry of streaming as a whole? I mean, I, I've read that they are com- basically that is is becoming what CBS All Access was. Um, it's all basically merging together. So it's nice that it's not another app that CBS is trying to put out um, to try and just expand the content even more. I like that they're streamlining a bit. I mean, the all of the reboots and, and redos of shows that they've been announcing, I, I can count on one hand, I think, the number of good reboots that people have done over the years. And everything else just is it, it pales in comparison to the original because everybody expects it to be the exact same, but the show is it has evolved into a new era, and it, you can't recapture that magic of the original show. So, I mean, Frasier was obviously an incredible show when it was when it was live, and I, I Kelsey Grammer's great still. So, who knows if that's going to be good or not? Um, but He's Rugrats, so old. I know, and that's the thing. Like they have to uh recontextualize it so either he's just going to be in it as like a cameo and a nod back to the original or it's going to be like him passing the torch off onto a new generation and then that's not even the same show um plus if you don't have the same writers same directors then it's it's in and of itself it's a completely different show you just have the same characters um and with rugrats i mean they try to do a rugrats all grown up and I, I gotta say, like, it just didn't live up to the original. It was and so bad. I there know. was no creativity to that show. And that's the difference, because it was grounded in, oh, we're now older. But the whole point of Rugrats that was exciting is that they were kids, and they used their imagination, like, you know, uh, the Dust Bunny episode, mm-hmm. where 
where it's like they acted like it was the old west and 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 they're looking or they were like searching for dust bunnies and it felt it just was so different like you can't do that with 10 year olds or whatever 11 year olds 12 year olds you got to well, do it with like tiny babies and that's the thing too like the kids nowadays are so different than when we were kids just with the type of stimulation that they're getting the type of content that they're seeing regularly now it's very different than what we watched as kids so do you try and just recreate the original show but with like modern cgi which i think is what they're trying to do with this one um or do you completely reimagine the show to and gear it specifically towards youth nowadays um which to they me released a trailer they did and oh. it's a and it, it's definitely but it's not 2d drawn it is definitely like it's animated you know i would say it's similar to a uh oh man uh jimmy neutron oh, i was but... hoping you weren't gonna say that <laughs> well it's not it's not as janky it's very crisp it, it looks really good. Like, the lighting is really good. It's still stylized to be, like, the house. Um, but it, it definitely is more modern. It, it looks really good. It's it's not, it's not like Jimmy... The, the models aren't like Jimmy Neutron. It's still the models look like Rugrats. Uh, and that's how everything else is around. They had Angelica. It looks, it looks crisp. It looks good. It looks modern age. The only thing is, you know, how is that going to translate when they go on adventures? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, obviously, if it's animated or CG like that, then they can use as much creativity as they want. I just, I wonder, I wonder what the storylines are going to feel like compared to the original. Like, is it still going to just be, like, um, kind of more of that imaginative type of creativity? Or is it going to be more just, like, off-the-wall hijinks and shenanigans that I think, like, people need... I, I, I think that there's more of, like, I don't want to say, like, ADD type kids now but i think people have a much shorter attention span now than when we were kids so like are they gonna is the is the pacing gonna feel faster i think is what i'm trying to get at you know that's a good question because people will compare don't people compare like old uh south park to new south park and the pacing is just on a whole nother level people do the same thing with the simpsons uh yeah any the pacing long... is go ahead any long-running show like that, you can track the progression for where they know their target target audience is, and I mean, like they're following the the pulse of the of their audience, and if they feel like more certain things respond better, then they're going to shift the entire show like that. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to feel like the same show, even if the characters sound the same, if they go on similar adventures. I think just inherently, it's going to be a completely different show. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and the other thing you have to consider is the time we're living in. And what I mean by that is that, you know, what are they going to talk about? You know, are they going to talk about things that are going on in the world? Are they going to talk about, like, more progressive stuff? Or are they just going to keep it like, yeah, they're kids? You know, it's not... Uh, I find it very interesting how there are certain shows that do things really well. Like, a lot of people growing up, like... Uh, I missed the window on Adventure Time. I was a little bit too old for that. But then I met people who were obsessed with Adventure Time. Like, it's some of the greatest show I've ever seen. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Have you heard of Dexter's Laboratory? <laughs> Fairly odd parents. <laughs> SpongeBob. Well, SpongeBob lasts the test of time. But it was like, Rugrats, come on. Don't, don't, don't hit me with the Adventure Time stuff. But then I'd watch a few episodes. And I'm like, it's not for me. But I can see the appeal because it is so wacky but focused at the same time because there there are storylines there is an overarching 
type of ending to Adventure Time. And there's a mystique about it. There's a there's an awe about it. So when it comes to what they're going to do with Rugrats, I'm curious, you know, are they going to change the formula of what made it good, which is the imagination of of old time television brought into the into the awe of a kid you know that i remember there was like an indiana jones type of episode where you know tommy you know has a whip and instead of drinking like alcohol he's, he's drinking milk yeah and i really wonder is are they going to modernize that because people you know kids today don't watch indiana jones like excitingly you know they're not gonna if they do like a back to the future episode no one's gonna understand it kids aren't gonna you know, even if they're little kids watching the show, are they going to be into that? Is it still, does it still hold up as the thing? Or are we going to have to go to a more progressive type of, type of ordeal? So that's my concern because even though you're bringing back this big nostalgia thing, as adults, if we were to watch something like this, it, it's got to feel weird because, you know, we're adults now and we're not... You know, they talk about that having that kid-like awe in your eye or that kid-like uh, excitement for something. So I'm curious if, like, parents would see this and be like, yeah, I would really like to have my kid watch it. Or are they going to be like, no, I don't want to have my kid watch this. It, it, really, it really is something that should be in the forefront of their mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Plus, are they going to introduce like modern technology into it because at, at that point if it's going to be set in modern day then all the babies are going to have cell phones because that's how it is nowadays so i mean the setting is going to be entirely different too do you do you want the kids to have tablets like not not necessarily like uh oh you know the show isn't about them on tablets all day but do you think it'd be it'd be smart to introduce tablets like oh tommy was playing his tablet and now he's done with it he's going to go on an adventure I mean, I, I think they'll probably have that type of technology as, like, tools that they use. I don't know that they would want Do you to... want that in your Rugrats? No, that's the thing, though. But, like, if, but if it's set in a modern day, then that's probably what's going to be incorporated, is that type of technology. If you were the director and people were saying, hey, you got to have it, would you push back on that? Well, no, but that's not my job. And, and I think I think they're they're making it based off probably studio notes and, and the studios are going to want it to be as mass appealing as possible. And I think they probably don't trust the creativity and ingenuity uh, that the original show had to still be relevant nowadays. So they want it to seem as like topical and uh, like edgy as possible, more than likely. I, I mean, because when you look at other TV shows nowadays, that's like the typical type of show is um, it's it's very modernized. You don't really have a lot of throwback like um, type of shows that are set in like in an era that you can't really tell what what decade it is, um, like something that's more timeless, kind of like The Office. Like The Office seems like it could happen in almost any decade. Um, but then I think when you get shows like this, they're also going to want to appeal towards the parents by making things that they can appreciate. So I don't know, man, like this just seems like a like a like a gamble as far as um, trying to reboot something like that. No, yeah, totally. I, I just, when you mention the studio thing, I, it just reminds me of how stupid some corporate studios are. And it, it's funny because it is Nickelodeon, which Nickelodeon is also at fault for making one of the greatest shows of all time that they never believed in. I'm, of course, talking about Avatar. There's so that setup. There's the setup. And so, you know, when you talk about the studio giving notes for Rugrats, I... 
if they're going to have tablets and stuff and it's something that was pushed back, obviously that won't be well-known knowledge. But if they're giving notes that are going to ruin Rugrats, I imagine that this it's just the normal Nickelodeon. And I don't trust that they're now part of the next story is that they're launching a new dedicated avatar studio that is going to be headed by the showrunners of the original show. And the reason why I am more hesitant, John, is because I've seen what Nickelodeon has done to this type of this 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 universe. I've seen what they've done. I've watched what they've done. You know, they're not willing to give it a good slot because it isn't SpongeBob. And 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 a lot of shows, even the creator for Danny Phantom, the creator for Fairly Odd Parents, said that the toughest thing about being at Nick, Nickelodeon, one of the toughest things, was that they wanted your show to put up numbers or be like spongebob mm-hmm. and that is almost impossible you're talking about a gem and if your show just doesn't have the spongebob numbers it gets thrown to a different time slot and then eventually it's going to die so that being nickelodeon's track record you know when we get towards the the mid to late 2000s i saw them take avatar which they just when you got to the finale, you have to watch that weird time slots. There's no believing in it. It was a great, amazing show. And when they got to Legend of Korra, halfway through season three, they just stopped putting it on television. And they're like, yeah, we're going to put it on online. Well, who does that? And that time, at that time, like it, this, we're talking about like 10, 10 years ago, John, there's no big streaming service except for Netflix. And they're not even that big. They were still sending out DVDs at the time. Yeah, they still had the DVD program. So the fact that you're going to put it on a janky Nickelodeon website, a terrible website for streaming, you know, stuff that I can find on like, uh, you know, like a Newgrounds to play a video game, like that's the type of player you have to to put your one of your your core shows that is actually really good and adults could even get into. I don't trust this company. I don't know. John, what's your opinion on this? Well, I, I do think you also have to take into consideration that, like, nowadays, the the whole idea of premium time slots is way less relevant than it was back then because people are more focused on watching things when they want it rather than tuning into TV at a specific time. So I, I think it's less important that they have to have it, like, on live television and when they can focus more on just the content and then releasing it to streaming where you can access it like midnight or 3 a.m whatever whenever uh you want during the during the week then they can focus more on the quality of the content and less on um, fighting over specific time slots because those things aren't as vital to a show survival as they used to be um and they get said that they're set in the world of ang and of Korra. so my question is are these i mean they would have to be like a like a epilogue type show that follows the events after Aang, uh, United the Nations, which they already have comic books out for, kind of explaining and detailing all of those adventures. And then with Korra, I believe they also have comics of her and um, Asami's adventures after they went into the spirit world. Korra Asami. Yeah, exactly. Which is The shippers were right. (laughs) So do they then just take it into a a weird middle ground of maybe having Korra and Aang, like, having simultaneous adventures where they kind of overlap with different themes throughout this uh, any given episode or do they have two separate shows um maybe teeing up the next avatar 
uh, because I like we you and I have pitched our own ideas of what the, what we think the next avatar should be, which I totally think should be a real thing. Um, but it it does make me wonder, especially with the main creators of Avatar uh, on board for this, where in the timeline are they going to set these shows? Yeah, and and you already have that setup going in. You have at you have uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. So that's the story of Aang. You have Avatar: The Legend of Korra, which is the one after Aang. You could go. You could do the stories of uh of what's the one uh before him. Oh, Roku. Uh, Roku. You could have the story of Roku, or you could do like the the tales of uh, Kiyoshi. You have you have an opportunity, a universe, an iteration that you can expand upon this world. So, to make an Avatar dedicated studio makes so much sense. But my problem is, is that I don't trust the overarching publisher, Nickelodeon. You know, because just because you put the showrunners in it doesn't mean it's going to be good. Because these showrunners know what's knows what's good. But let's say that Nickelodeon's like, guess what? Paramount Plus just told us we can run the show the way we want. We're putting ads all over your show. There is no ad-free version. Or they could just they could just give stupid stupid notes or requirements to this. Because I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why the showrunners left Netflix is that Netflix wanted uh, Katara to be older than Sokka. And have an ongoing love, love interest with, uh, dang it, with uh, not Sokka, uh, that's her brother. Zuko. It's, um, Zuko. Yes, like that's one of the things that they wanted to happen. And it's just like you, you can't do that. That's not faithful. Number one, that's not faithful to the show. Number two, it's just Zuko is supposed to be a complex character who's in love with May, or Mai. May. May, yeah. He's in love with May, but she's kind of depressing like him, but she understands things to be more complex. She she sees things better than Zuko does. Uh, but she just, because of that, she just is so dull with pain. It's it's a, it's an odd thing in character development, but it's the fact that Netflix, the Netflix, who has kind of dominated streaming and is now kind of in a corner compared to the new big players coming out, it's it, it just proves to me that anything could happen from these from these uh, publishers with their just stupid notes. So Nickelodeon is no exception. I give them I do not give them an inch. I'll be skeptical as hell because of what they've done to Avatar, a great show that more people should have watched like this. Like you can have SpongeBob, but Avatar should have been like, hey, do you not like stupid jokes about a sponge? Please watch this amazingly culturally uh, and stylistically designed show that children love. And they did not market it. Well, it's, just, it's a travesty. I, I do think that because of what happened with Netflix, that the creators um, going into this deal with Paramount Plus would probably like more than likely have said, we need cr- complete creative control. And this is going to be the show that we want it to be because we left Netflix based off of creative differences. And we're not going to let that happen again with this streaming service. So I don't see them making the same mistake with Netflix uh or uh, with Paramount Plus that they did with Netflix. So my guess is there's going to be far fewer studio notes. This is going to be set in the world that they design. It basically Paramount Plus is just an avenue for them to put their put their content out. 
I mean, because the, the contracts nowadays are going to be so complicated that there's there's no way that they allow themselves to make that same mistake twice. It's just, I will not give them an inch. I don't care if the showrunners are part of the project, John. I just, I do not want to be hurt again. Oh, I totally understand. And I, I completely get the fear of Nickelodeon because of their history with Avatar. And again, I think it's just because it's a different setting. There's far fewer things that are detrimental to a show that there were way back when, uh, today. So when when you think about the things that Nickelodeon could screw up, one, if they cover their butts in the contract, that's that's a big plus. And two, when you don't have to worry about specific time slots and streaming is a much more accepted and commonplace form of viewing content, then I think the, the past things that Nickelodeon has screwed up don't seem to come into play as much nowadays. Um, and the I only, think it's desperation. Well, I mean, I think that they want to put their content out and they believe in the world that they've created and they probably found a great deal with Paramount Plus to allow them to put that content out one way or another. I mean, because when you think about it, like they wouldn't have pushed so hard to create something on Netflix and then leave it because of creative differences, but then start it again with an entirely different streaming service. No, like, I I, I, ha I see what you're saying, but I'm saying that the move is out of desperation for Nickelodeon because Nickelodeon is no longer the premier place to get your kids content. Yeah, uh, well, that I completely get. But then when you're in those shoes, if you want to have a legitimate draw to your to your streaming service, then you want something that people are actually going to watch. And and if if a content creator says, "Hey, I'm willing to come and put my stuff on your on your service, but I need creative control and you can't meddle with this." Then if you're looking for content to fill out your library, of course you're going to say, "Yeah, do whatever you want. We believe in you." Quote unquote which really just means we want people to come watch our stuff. You are a good draw. Please come to our service. I like SpongeBob, but I'm not actively going to seek out SpongeBob content because I am a little bit older. Mm -hmm. You tell me there's a new Avatar show, I'm going to actively seek that out. And I think that's the mark that Nickelodeon missed. And I think that's why these execs who notice that, man, our numbers suck. No one wants to watch Nickelodeon. I mean, we saw that happening, you know, probably eight years ago, nine years ago with Cartoon Network. And I think Adventure Time was on Cartoon Network. That was the big shift. Nickelodeon is no longer the powerhouse. You don't have Fairly Odd Parents. You don't have Danny Phantom. You All you had was SpongeBob. You don't have SpongeBob anymore except for old reruns. You don't have Avatar The Last Airbender. You don't have, what was another one, uh... You know, we said Rugrats. You don't have Rocco's Modern Life. You don't have uh, Hey Arnold. It's the, the golden years of Nickelodeon is over. So this move is desperation, which is why I still don't trust it because it's not like, hey, we believe in the product. It's like, oh man, let's try something. Let's throw a Hail Mary because people say they like this show. I don't believe in it, but we got to try something or else we're going to fold. Well, so, and I, I agree with that, but imagine the press um, after the Netflix show comes out and after the Paramount Plus show comes out. Imagine what would pe what people would say if they if they saw the uh, the Netflix show and and realized how terrible it's going to be, and then they saw the Paramount Plus content and said, "This is the original Avatar. Nickelodeon is great for bringing this back. Everybody go watch this stuff on Paramount Plus. Like that's going to be a huge publicity." boost for them that they would need and i truly believe that that whatever uh uh i can't remember the name uh 
the content creators of, of Avatar, whatever they do for Paramount+. Just call Plus, them the showrunners. I the don't show, know their names yeah. either. <laughs> um, so whatever they put out for Paramount+, Plus, it's going to be better than the Netflix show because it sounds like it's departing so much from the original uh, show and what the themes were actually supposed to be that I believe this is going to be a big draw for Paramount+, Plus in the end. I'm not giving them an inch still. You make your argument. <laughs> I understand that, but I refuse to to get buy into this hype until i see a product that's like, fair and, and it needs to be marketed well if they show me a trailer and the trailer sucks because the marketing team behind it sucks i just i i refuse to be heard again my expectations are at the floor they could they're no they're at the earth's core it could not be any lower so that's, fair. It, that's how i'm gonna approach it because i don't want to get hurt again and speaking of not getting hurt again J.J. Abrams is reported to reboot the Superman franchise as a producer. This is being reported by Deadline. And this is just, wow. DC trying to bring J.J. into the frame to make a new Superman reboot. And so far, Henry Cavill has not yet been signed. But we do know that he is open to it. He's interested in being Superman. So, John, what are your thoughts i don't want to talk about nickelodeon anymore because i hate them <laughs> and we aren't talking about Zack snyder here but i i am still skeptical of dc because for some reason they give the worst they give uh probably the worst studio notes compared to nickelodeon i mean i i, I would say after what he did with star wars i'm not a huge jj fan and the fact that he's going to be a producer on a superman movie or series of movies or whatever you want to whatever they end up reporting it being i'm not really looking forward to this um i i hope that henry cavill stays on because i think he's a great uh clark kent and a great superman but if especially if they change and recast it i think it's just going to throw the dc eu into more disarray i think whatever they put out it's going to feel hopeful at first because that's that i think that's what jj does is he puts out the initial like little piece of content like the first movie and it's this great like nostalgic reminiscing bringing back old themes old characters little nods to things it's it's for the fans but then he doesn't deliver on the depth of content and the completion of the content it's just it's just a mess that it doesn't seem like he really has a grasp on so i i, I don't know man i especially after like he did a he and his son both did like a spider-man comic that wasn't super well received so his whole like uh, working uh dynamic with superhero content just doesn't really seem like it's the best right now yeah he's definitely on the he's definitely on the decline as far as his career um but you know i'm curious to ask you this is rise of skywalker his fault or is that lucasfilm's fault I, who's who's more to blame I would say Lucasfilm, if it weren't for the fact that they brought him back to do the third one, and it was still just as bad. Well, it was worse than it was worse than Rise of Skywalker. So by, I, like I said, like I think he's great at beginnings. He's great at building interest, at setting up potential. But then when it comes to sustainability or closure, I think he completely falls flat. Well, this is him as a producer. He's not directing this. Yeah, but even still, I, I mean. Even, even still, I just don't, I don't believe in him as a, as a creator anymore. Just gotta be honest. 
all right you know that's fair with this movie also very skeptical because it is dc i once again i will not move an inch from this argument because of how much i've been hurt because i was so hyped for man of steel and there's so many great things from man of steel but i there's so many highs and there were just so many lows it was so jarring to watch and they're just the music is amazing and the fight scenes the choreography fantastic you know hearing the like Hans Zimmer go nuts on the drums like just so great watching that that uh battle between Zod and Superman still just didn't hit so the fact that we're going to J.J. Abrams now in the DC fashion with how everything has kind of led up to this moment I don't trust it yeah and and when you're looking for superman content uh i think more often than not the modern storytelling of it has tended to rely more on the punchy punch part of superman and less on any kind of emotional arc for the most part but then like i so i just started watching superman and lois on the cw uh yesterday i believe and i finished Mm -hmm. it up last night and that does a great job of balancing the physical aspects of superman and like his his creativity and problem solving um to finding finding better solutions for things rather than just punching his way through them with also the more emotional aspect of it like him having to deal with um he's got twin sons and um dealing or grappling with whether or not he tells them about his identity and then when he does the seeing the fallout from that and having to grapple with the whole family dynamic um does he live on tattooing no, he he moves back to Smallville, so it's uh. set in like this more intimate, less metropolisy type of setting. Um, I like just watching the first episode of that show just gave me so much hope that because someone seems to understand the character of Superman and that he's not just a big punching machine, and I think if you allowed him, Henry Cavill could really shine as a more emotionally uh, developed character. But I just don't see the current DCEU. As a, as a good outlet for that. I think they would have to completely change what they're doing. Maybe JJ would be good at getting that going, but probably not. Um, I just, I, I just, I really worry about him being at the helm because like if, if you see him as a producer, he's going to have the most say in whatever he puts out because that's just what type of status he has now. And I just, I don't know, man, I just don't trust him. I don't trust the content he's put out. I think it's very shallow and and just not very emotionally complex mm, mm, mm. I, I totally i totally side with you on that i get i get where you're coming from and it is it is such a weird thing to see no emotion when it comes like we're getting better content from the death of superman comic like the the little animated you know hour whatever hour and a half that we got from yeah. watching hbo max than superman and everything that he's done live action with DC in this iteration with Henry Cavill. It's so sad because just watching his, just watching his love for Lois in that little, you know, comic type of movie was just so much more than I see Henry Cavill's love for Amy Adams in, in this DC universe. So yeah, we just, we can't trust them. You know, they're just that they need to learn from their mistakes and speaking of studios that are learning from their mistakes, Lucasfilm has announced Bad Batch is coming out on May 4th, Star Wars Day, 
And before that, they're coming out with the Star Wars Republic Commando, the 2005 classic video game, will be coming out on April 6th on Nintendo Switch and PlayStation. Holy hell, what an amazing announcement. That is that is the one-two punch, baby. You know, that is a way to get people hyped for your game or people to get hyped for your show is bringing out the game that got people to be like hell yeah i want to be a clone trooper i want to go into this like into this elite squad and take down clankers hell yeah so to see that they're bringing it to the nintendo switch and lucasfilm it's lucasfilm games and lucasfilm it's all lucasfilm we've seen them do this already with uh the star wars racer game that they kind of brought to PlayStation and the Nintendo Switch. And they also brought another game with it that I just can't remember. But Star Wars Racer was the big one that people heard coming back. And people, you know, bought it again. You know, now that it's on Nintendo Switch, the most popular... I would say easily the most popular console right now for, you know, just the everyday person. Not video game mm -hmm. enthusiasts, but the everyday man is getting a Nintendo Switch, which is pretty cool. But, John, what are your thoughts on this type of marketing? Do you think this is a good idea? Do you think this is a bad idea? What are your thoughts? No, I mean, I I think Star Wars seems like it's more on an upswing than a lot of other major studios. Just with the type of content they're putting out, uh, the fact that they like that they finally are making a game for, for Nintendo. Um, Nintendo and PS5. Um, but... That makes me excited as a switch owner because i for a long time it has felt like most major game studios or major, most major games have kind of left the switch kind of on the wayside um but to finally have something for like families or for um for just any, any day person like me that doesn't want to drop like 500 bucks up on a game system um that's really hopeful uh so this is definitely something i'm going to look into and i'm I'm very much excited about getting back into like Star Wars gaming. Yeah, so so you're definitely interested because I, you know, one of my friends who I grew up from with in um, from childhood, he and we've gone to so many schools together and stuff like that. My my old friend from from childhood, he played Star Wars Republic Commando because it was only on, I think it was only on the PC. So I never played it because I wasn't much of a big PC gamer back then. So he played it. He loves the game. And so I just have been too lazy to pick up the game. But the fact that it's coming in Nintendo Switch means I, I just can't avoid it. Like, I, I am excited to play Star Wars Republic Commando. And even though I do have a computer that I do have uh, PC games for, I just never thought, like, hey, you know, this is the, I want to play this game on my PC. It just doesn't hit me because it's supposed to be like a, a first-person shooter type of game. And I don't really like that on my PC, even though that's where people primarily pay it, play it. It's just not that kind of thing for me. So Because I play a lot of sim, simulation and strategy war games on my computer. So this is perfect to get on a PlayStation, to get on the Nintendo Switch. So I'm definitely picking it up. And it definitely gets me more hyped for Bad Batch. You know, that kind of continuous. This is like a good marketing... A de definitely a good marketing strategy by Lucasfilm. And we just... We have to applause it. You know, that's... It's just good good for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially like setting out a game with characters that you're about to become more familiar with. 
to a degree in the Bad Batch. Um, yeah, it has nothing just, to do with them. But I mean, like, but just like troopers in general, just like not putting out like, oh, a, oh. a Jedi game before Bad Batch comes out, like getting you familiar with the dynamics between troopers. Um, it all just kind of feels like it ties together. Well, the nod, there was a nod to the game Star Wars Republic Commando in Star Wars The Clone Wars with the Gregor episode. If you can remember, it was the droids, their arc being on this distant planet and they come into a clone who has amnesia and he brings out his armor and it's the armor from the clone commando series. And this, they were like, Gregor, you are a commando. And they're like the awe in there. But for like deep cut star Wars fans who had played this game, it was a fantastic moment. And when he's taking down clankers by himself and sacrificing his life for them to go out, it was it was such a hype moment. Like I, I remember watching that and be like, I never played the game, but I know how insane this is. I was like, oh, oh. I was losing my mind because there is, I already had something spoiled for me in the game that I know happens at the end. But uh, watching that episode definitely felt amazing. So they're just making good moves. And, and I think for fans who've never played the game or don't know the twist, I think I shouldn't have said twist, but I think people are going to. It's not a twist, really. It, it's just a. It's just how it ends. Uh, there's no twist. I don't know if there is a twist. Maybe there is a twist. There's no twist. <laughs> I mean, genuine. I slipped up saying twist, not thinking of context. It's there's no twist. You got to trust me on this. It's just how the ending is. It's just like, oh man, it hurts. But you'll see. You'll 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 have to see. Good marketing ploy. Thinking. Uh, Bad segue. I'm just letting you flounder here for a second. Speaking of fishing mechanics, <laughs> Pokemon. Oh my gosh, has, that actually works. <laughs> it does work. Yeah, take that. How else are you going to get your Gyarados? You got to fish for those Magikarp and level them up to level 20 so they can just become these giant fish dragon monsters. Pokemon Company released their 25th anniversary kind of spiel that they had talking about some events that they were going to do for this year and they talked about the mainline series games coming out for this year and in the upcoming year so they announced the remakes for gen 4 which people like myself and people who played generation 4 are losing their minds over because we're finally getting it and they're going to be more like true remakes they're not going to be like remasters where they make a completely new game it let to look like sword and shield it's like they they kind of made it instead of 2d 3d and it's kind of chibi ish like chibi kind of characters from japan but it's it's supposed to be a faithful remake so you're not going to see too many insane things out there the graphics aren't out of this world but you know we're finally getting a remake and fans are losing their mind but there's a different story that has the community also going insane because they're coming out with a what they describe as a live action RPG game called Pokemon Legends Arceus out in early 2022. And immediately the comments around the industry who watched this were like, that looks like Breath of the Wild. And Pokemon fans have always asked for an open world or an action RPG style Pokemon game because the game itself, like the way it is, like we got close to that with sword and shield, but instead it was just like, 
oh, you know, there's the wild area. But it doesn't, that, like, that's not the whole game. You know, that's just like a mechanic of, of that. You still have the normal routes that you go on to find specific Pokemon to get from destination to destination. But this looks like an open world live action RPG where you have your little town and then you just explore. It looks like Breath of the Wild type of map where you have to climb, like literally climb to the top of mountains to get to those dragon Pokemon. So I was curious, John, what do you think of this information as someone who has gotten back into Pokemon within the past year? Oh my gosh, man, this makes and me as so someone excited. who has completed Breath of the Wild within the past year, <laughs> like when they announced Sword and Shield and the whole wild area part of it, that's that's what I had hoped um, that game was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I hoped that it was going to be this big open world, you go exploring, set your set the adventure at your own pace type of game, um, but it wasn't, and it was it was kind of disappointing, but it was it was still a great game, uh, it was still fun. But it just wasn't what I had anticipated. But then to see this and just that opening trailer and the way that it was revealed felt like watching the Breath of the Wild trailer. Just in seeing the landscapes, the way you interact with them, the Pokemon just roaming around. That you don't see any other people really. Uh, You don't see any other towns for the most part. It's just completely open. And the fact that they went back in time rather than uh, forward, um, I think just enables that even more because it's not this heavily populated dense area it's a very open more natural style world um it is going to be interesting with like a little wooden pokeball uh how they're going to justify the ability that you can catch a legendary pokemon in that that's gonna be kind of weird um but the fact that like you you're standing there with your pokemon having a battle or you're throwing the pokeball yourself like you control all those actions it this is what i had imagined that the pokemon games were eventually going to get to and i i think they tested it at least with sword and shield just some of the dynamics and found that people really responded well to it and so i'm glad that they're really doing it well in this and i can't wait for more trailers and test footage absolutely and you mentioned touch test footage because what we got it looks rough yeah (laughs) yeah it's a rough cut it looks yeah exactly like a pretty rough cut and the hope that people are saying is like man i hope this looks a lot better because in in parts of the trailer like the grass looks really good and then other parts of the trailer it's terrible the frame the frames are dropping crazy like there's it's not set at 30 frames a second i think there was uh the pokemon chingling was just like going up and down like with like just like no frames it looked terrible so i mean the hope is is that it, it, it does improve and we get like a definitely better dedicated trailer down the end of the year. And it is it is just very funny to me that that happened. But at the same time, I know Pokemon fans are super excited that they're going with this concept. And as someone who plays Pokemon and has my own weird mechanic, I try to catch legendaries with a Pokeball every time. Like all my Pokemon are in normal Pokeballs. Not like Great Balls or Ultra Balls, Master Balls, no. I like to catch all my Pokemon in standard Pokeballs because I'm insane. But I I am really worried about the catching mechanic if I'm going to be at a huge disadvantage in this. So we'll just have to wait and see about that. You know, moving on, I really have no segue for this. This is on me, but Pixar's Luca. We got a trailer for it. 
It was pretty dope. Uh, and it it's a coming-of-age story. We haven't heard that one before. But it's a coming-of-age story of two boys on the, visiting the Italian Riviera. And they jump into some water and they become like sea monsters. So they're like half sea monster, half human. I don't know. Pretty cool trailer, though. John, you got any thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like a fun movie. Um, I know people were complaining about like it. They didn't feel like, oh, uh, basically saying like we've got two white or two young boys have a coming, uh, having a coming of age story. We've already seen that tons of times before. But I, I think when you have an element like the fact that they change into this other creature when they go when they're exposed to water, I think it opens up the opportunity for them to explore like just di- accepting diversity and finding your place in society. I think there's still plenty of great storytelling to be had when you have elements like that. So I I, I think that's just some people overreacting a bit. Um, but the world looks great. Uh, I haven't really seen anything told in like an Italian setting besides Pinocchio. So this, I think, would be another great opportunity for world building and exploring a new culture for Pixar. So yeah, I'm. I mean, it looks optimistic. Yeah, I'm just disappointed that people are just assuming that those are two men. Oh. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Take that, SJWs. I'm just kidding. I don't really like that stuff. I don't, it's just like, eh. You know, if you like the story, you like the story. If you don't like the story, you don't like the story. I don't like Ray because it's not that she's a woman. It's her writing. I think Wanda is amazing in WandaVision. Guess what? Writing. So, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm being picky here, but for people who are like, coming of age story for two boys. It's just like, all right, you know, I hear you. But, you know, it, it's also like we are getting more more diverse stories black panther you know pretty great movie yeah i mean i i'm dying on a hill aren't i well okay i don't like when people use black panther as the only example as as a piece of diversity in film and i know that's not what you're saying (laughs) but i i think it's kind of a cop-out when that's the only one that you can name moonlight Um, Okay, yeah. And like I said, I know that's not what you're doing. I've just seen a lot of other people do that. I need to think of another one or else I'm going to get canceled. (laughs) No, there are are more things out there. It's just, I I do think that Pixar, (sighs) Pixar does have a weird track record uh, for a lot of just like male only stuff. And I do think that it's a conversation to approve it, but you never... You never improve a conversation by making comments that are just so like, it's like, ah, it's like, it would just make a comment. I'd like to see Pixar in their next movie do more female things. Okay, great. I can get behind that. Don't be like another story with two boys in it. Pixar, the worst. It's like, all right, you know, come on here. I, I, I would definitely enjoy, like, I would definitely enjoy another movie kind of like Brave, but, uh, I don't know, just a, probably in a different setting. You know, it'd be a great, great for us to see a coming of age story for a female because they did that for uh, Frozen, did it? Yeah. You know, I was thinking um, how many how many of the stories really could be just male centric stories. But There's think about Pixar more. specifically. They well, did. Uh, they didn't do Moana. No. And that's what I'm saying. So I, I'm, I'm Googling it right now just to see a film list. And it's literally just inside out with, um, uh, I mean, a lot of the core characters are female on that. 
Their vo- the voice actors are female, but we're talking about emotions well, here. But yeah, but yeah, and they also live inside of a girl. Um, so like I would count Inside Out for the most part, and then Brave, and then other than that, there's really not anything else. Finding Dory, but yeah, okay, so like but two that's... and a half. Yeah, <laughs> because Finding Dory wasn't really like a big like oh we're expanding the the like it's the successor it didn't feel like this is the successor to finding nemo kind of like how monsters inc like had what is it you know the second the monsters inc 2 going to college or whatever it is oh monsters university monsters university people like that's a successor and uh what is it the is it invincibles the incredibles incredibles wow that's (laughs) that's so bad for me the incredibles and incredibles too like that's a, a worthy successor Finding Dory was not a worthy successor. It was kind of like the Cars 2 uh, of successors, or Cars 3, if you will. So it is uh, Pixar's track record. And they got better. They made Coco. And I was like, pretty dope. I nice. mean, they make, they make some incredible films, but you're right. Like, when you're talking about w- wanting to see more representation of, like, female-led films, they don't really have that much in their catalog. But it's coming, right? Sure. It's coming. Hopefully. You know, the Italians have been put... I can say this, I'm a quarter Italian. Come at me. <laughs> My last name is actually Italian. But the the Italians have not gotten due justice in films. Godfather. Uh, uh, you know, Casino. Like more caricatures than actual yeah. culture. Good, good fellas. Yeah, it's a caricature of just killing people and doing things for money. But finally, we're getting a movie... With a couple of boys on the French Riviera. Just going out for some pizza. And going into the water. I don't know. I do a terrible uh, <laughs> Northeast accent. Because I'm from South Florida. But, I mean, Italians are all over South Florida. But, um, yeah, it is It is an interesting thing. It's like, I've never seen, like, Italians outside of, like, putting somebody in the back of a trunk and going to bury them. So... Seeing this type of movie where it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Nice. Italians play bad guys in a lot of movies. Like e- yeah. in the Ford versus Ferrari. Guess who were the bad guys? The, the Italians. Italians. The Italians. You got to catch Bandini first, <laughs> as uh, Matt or as Matt Damon would say. Exactly. <laughs> got to catch that Bandini. <laughs> Anyways, I think we're sticking on this topic way too long, and I'm uh-uh. having fun with it. But, uh <laughs> Speaking of things we're not used to seeing, people are starting to endorse The Rock for president. So, yeah, and I think The Rock's official statement was like, if that's what the people want, you know, sure, I'll think about it. But The Undertaker this week endorsed The the Rock for president, and that was kind of cool. This isn't really a big story, but I thought it was kind of an interesting story to put out there. John, would you like to see The Rock as president? I don't think so. Like... Yeah, it, it's kind of like a fun movie premise to think about him being the president. But, like, we're talking about, like, a major political leader on the world stage here. And I, I know people kind of, like, toss this stuff around as jokes. But I, I think we've seen where tossing things around as a joke got us at, at one point. Um, and if you had to like, choose between The Rock and Donald Trump, who are you taking? The Rock. Okay, so okay, just, leave but, it, just leave it at that. Because right now it's i'm feeling like you're gonna get at the people's elbow no and <laughs> i mean yes he seems like a great guy and a very personable person but positive yes 
don't don't take don't take the words of 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 Dom Toretto, you oh, know, God. taking over his franchise. Listen, Dom, if your movies, it, like, come on, the video game you made sucked. Come on, The Rock has made everything you've done better. So let's yes, just, let's just calm let's calm down there, Vin Diesel. But. I don't think making. I don't think being a good person and a great fil, uh, like a very widely diverse film star makes you a great political leader. I think those are two completely different uh, uh, job descriptions. And it, again, yes, it would be it would be nice to have someone like The Rock as president who is charming and who is kind and does good things for people. But I don't think we're going to get that. And I don't think we should have any more like, quote unquote, like just film stars or like celebrities as political figures, because like they may think they represent people, but they just have a large like, okay, there's a difference between representing your constituents and having a large Twitter following. And I, I just don't know that he would be grounded enough to be a good political leader. I will say this as someone, I don't want to stick on the politics for too long. But I believe that our politicians don't really do a lot for the people. They say they do. They get their base really energetic and really mad about something. And then they don't do anything. And it's on both sides. And it, oh, yeah. Frust- yeah, it yeah. frustrates me to a high degree, which is why I don't believe in either political party. Because nothing has changed for the better in my eyes. So that is what I'll say about politics. If you're telling me to choose between Joe Biden and Keanu Reeves, I'm taking Keanu. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm taking, I'm taking the rock in this situation. Like the rock for president, a positive man, charming gets shit done. And you know how, because how else is he going to get those giant muscles? He goes to the gym. He does it six week, six days a week, John, six uh, days a week. He's going to the gym to be buff. He's going on the movie sets. Have you he seen loves his cheat his... day meals? Huh? Have you seen his cheat day meals? Oh, they're insane. That's incredible. If I want that man, I want that man in the White House. <laughs> I want a man who can who can reasonably digest fifteen pancakes at once. Well, I want a, I want a man in there who understands what the word sacrifice means. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he he played football uh, at the University of Miami. He became a WWE wrestling superstar. Which to do that, you have to sacrifice a lot. There's a lot you lose out on. You don't get paid very well. Uh, back in the day when he did it, then he became a movie star. He made some bad movies. He made some good movies, and he's just all likable. Who hates The Rock? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not denying that part. I'm just, I'm leery of of letting Twitter decide the next president again. Uh, it's not, it's not Twitter. It's The Undertaker, a man who <laughs> is from Texas, and we're talking about Texas, John. If he's going out there supporting The Rock. I believe uh, okay. someone who is someone who is not of the normal Texas variety. If there's support, if that kind of man is supporting him, I'll take it. If the Texas rattlesnake stone cold, Steve Austin comes out and supports the rock. You better be running through a brick wall to vote for that man. <laughs> I'm just saying that's a, it's, it can, can unite the people. Maybe. And you know what? We'll bring the people's elbow to Kim Kim Jong Un, and we'll save those fifty thousand POWs who are still in North Korea, who are working in coal mines and making generational babies for for labor for, labor force. I read that story this week. Insane. I 
it's such a travesty. It's a tragedy. And I don't want to focus on that in the podcast, but my God. Maybe maybe we start with The Rock as governor, and then we, or senator, and then we go to president. Nah, full force, baby. All right, cool. There we go. <laughs> and then we're going to be in another Twitter debacle. They're just no. going to, we're going to repeat it again. It's going to be bad. Oh, no. Maybe not. You got to have faith, John. But anyways, speaking of having faith. George Michael? No. Okay. Let's say Spider-Man 3 has gotten its title. No way home. And right now, Tom Holland is hoping for that his contract to continue. Because this is his last contracted movie to do. Yeah, it is. But he's also come out and said, like, he'll be Spider-Man for as long as they want him. And, and fans have, like pretty unanimously said like we want him as spider-man so i I, like i think this may be his last like leading adventure in a movie but there's no way that this is his last spider-man film like he's he's gonna go on for probably the next 10 years as spider-man i don't know i don't see a contract it's the last ride as far as i can see well that just means that he can renegotiate the terms for future contracts that doesn't mean that they're not going to offer him one because i think Mm. like sony has made some stupid decisions and disney has made questionable ones at times but i don't think any studio would be so dumb as to not offer tom holland's uh, spider-man yeah yeah what do you think of the name of the movie no way i mean i think it uh kind of gave me more hope for the for the plot of the film um especially because like yes we have confirmation that there are villains from other spider-man films coming in to play their roles in like a different way mm-hmm. but there's not been any quote-unquote confirmation for andrew garfield or toby mcguire so for him to be like for the film to be no way home and for it to potentially just stay a grounded we're on the run we can't go back to anything that's familiar we have to fight our way to uh back into the like back into freedom um I think that's the kind of story I wanted to begin with. Like, I wanted Craven the Hunter be, to be the main villain, and I don't think we're getting that. But it, even if it's, like, all of the villains, all of, the, like, the Spider-Man villains are coming out of the woodworks because they know who he is, they're threatening his home, they're coming after him, um, and Doctor, like, he's, he's he has to run to the Sanctum Sanctorum because that's the closest place, the closest ally that he has in New York, and that's how Doctor Strange gets tied into it. Maybe it's not so much a giant multiversing romp as it is, like hey, Doctor Strange can help you get away for a little bit and can kind of help clear your name, but they also get into a lot of trouble and he's bringing his friends along with them. That's the kind of grounded Spider-Man story that I wanted. So the the title gives me hope and I really hope it stays grounded like I think it will. I was listening to a podcast where they were saying that Sony has the opportunity to really screw this up when it comes to marketing because they said if they show... Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield in the trailer the probably people across the globe who are curious what this movie are going to be are going to be so pissed and I would be if they showed them in a trailer like to get us hyped because Sony is a loose cannon when it comes to marketing I would be visibly upset that's like that's like when they they showed uh, Darth Maul in the Phantom Menace trailer it's like what and they showed him having two like the double bladed lightsaber yeah yeah and i get that that's because like with that they were restarting the star wars franchise they wanted to have a big draw for audiences to have them see something new they hadn't seen in the original trilogy so like cool it's a bad decision but i get it 
But with this, like enough people are going to come see Spider-Man 3. You don't need to throw in what people hope is the biggest surprise of the film into the marketing of it. And that you're right, like that would be a horrible decision if they did that. Yeah. Yeah. And our last story, speaking of horrible decisions, but one we must respect. Daft Punk splits up after 28 years. Their last studio album was in 2012 and it won uh, a Grammy, Random Access Memories. And uh, they put out a video on YouTube of, you know, the group splitting up and one of the robots just combusting instantly and the other one just walking out into the sunset. So, I don't know. John, do you have any fond memories of Daft Punk? I mean, yeah, like their music, I think, changed a lot of pop music for the better. Um because not only were they just like innovative in don't don't like, don't say pop well no but like i think a lot of the effects and like they popularized i think in a lot of ways are made made um like that edm style dance music there more, we go. more mainstream um that then was integrated in other types of music like pop music so they like like literally changed the musical landscape i think for the better uh in a lot of different ways over over decades um, I mean, and, and like they, they had such a unique and intriguing career as musicians, but they also threw in some great, um, like innovative, creative musical, um, harmonies and, and melodies and rhythms and just everything about it. It didn't feel cheesy or like, uh, gimmicky at all. It was, we're taking this style of music and we're elevating it. And I really appreciated that about them. All right. I'm just trying to protect you. I care about you. I don't want the <laughs> I don't want the music gatekeepers community to come after you and be like, it's not, it's not pop music. It's 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 house, and then it changed <laughs> a little bit later because of their sound. I don't want you to get in trouble because yeah. I I care about you, but it's not pop music. They've done no. they've done music with pop artists. But no, but like they're they're for for a, a, an artist like them in that genre of music to be able to influence so many other styles of music like pop, I think is an incredible feat. And then for them, like they were featured in Tron. Uh, they had such a, no, wide... they were Tron. <laughs> they, they, com- <laughs> they composed the music for Tron and it is so, that, that for me is an incredible legacy because there have been a few composers. There's been a few uh, house like, type of there's been a a few house artists who have done music for movies and m83 is one of them that did the music for oblivion they helped Mm -hmm. do the music for oblivion they did it with another composer whose name escapes me that the music for oblivion is amazing just like i'll say the music for tron legacy is also amazing so more house composers and movies would be great but that like that is a huge part of their legacy is tron legacy yeah yeah absolutely i'm i mean i I can't say that i listen to them all the time now but i know i did a lot when when i think that latest album came out what's your favorite daft punk song uh i mean like i don't want to just be cheesy and just kind of go with the top 10 one Um, no go for it i mean okay well let me make sure i get the title right because i screw up musical titles a lot um really I do. I like I I remember like the themes and everything in them, but um like the names uh, just escape me a lot. Um I mean like this sounds really dumb, but probably harder, better, faster, stronger. That's fine. Um 
I mean, like, I don't, I can't say, like, I know all of their songs that well, but I think that one sticks out with me the most. And then, like, that has gone on to also be remade and redone in a lot of other styles and with other artists. Um, and when that, like I said, like, when that, well, like, when a song of yours can be adapted by so many other styles, I think that speaks a lot to you as a creator. Yeah, definitely. And, and they're one of the best sampled uh album groups like they take like they sample beats and music from like old r&b and they just brought them to a whole new level of like uh, just the modern era and just upgraded it a little bit with some house music and some synthesizers and it just became so popular and mm-hmm. it's just kind of interesting that like someone like kanye west sampled what harder best better faster stronger yeah and and, and he just made the song stronger which it's just I'm I'm curious if as we go forward in music that people are going to sample Daft Punk because I love the 70s and 80s R&B kind of scene. It's just kind of weird for me who's who wasn't alive during that time, but the music just hits me in such a way to see Daft Punk bring those beats and rhythm to the modern times. I I will always forever appreciate Daft Punk for what they've done for music and it's around the world for me yeah yeah um yeah i I would definitely agree yeah i just imagine like a rave like around the world around the world around the world and just boop 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 i just imagine like i imagine the scene from from what is it um the matrix was it the matrix reloaded where they do the rave yeah yeah, I just imagine like I could put Daft Punk music, I could put around the world and slow some of the some of the dancing down a little bit, even though it's slowed down already. You could slow it down just a hint more, and you just see like this rave of people listening to Daft Punk. Like that's what I imagine when I listen to Daft Punk. It's just some insane like music festival rave type style, and it it always gets me. It make it gets me happier. And uh, this it's a sad story to end on, but we have to acknowledge the elephant in the room and how amazing they have been for 28 years that's just incredible man and then to go to start in 1993 and to go this long i mean they they started in a time where technology was so much more limited with how you could create music so like they they really learned and grew in a period where they had to do everything by themselves and i think that's what made them so successful and had a career that was was so um uh had so much longevity to it because they they were so self-sustaining as musicians yeah well it was it was two of them i i think i think that it's bigger than when swedish house mafia said they were done because swedish house mafia was like what around for like maybe seven to ten years something like that then went away everyone was like oh dang it at least we have daft punk and 28 years jeez mm-hmm. the originators literally at the end of an era yeah and whoever they like people say they don't know what they look like now like there's a there's a picture of the two guys like when they were in college and people don't know what they look like now because any time they do public appearances they wear the suits yeah. so that think about how fame is the guy could literally just go out into the world again and no one would know Exactly. And that's so rare in careers nowadays. So to literally have access to all of the fame that you you've earned in your career, but then also have the um, the mystique 
and like the anonymity of just being able to walk into a grocery store and have a normal life like that's such a rare find nowadays because usually like when you have that type of career you retire but your life will always be the way that it is you'll never get to have a normal life but that they can just they can leave the music scene and they can literally do whatever they want yeah they definitely can and with that we will go ahead and close the podcast we will be back next week john will be in the driver's seat i can't wait to see what amazing news he gets because we've actually run like 10 minutes over in this podcast that's how much news we had john it was a really great news week i really uh i really hope you get blown away with news <laughs> we'll see this is gonna be a hard week to follow yeah i mean because i mean you might there might be a week where i where i'm in charge and we're doing the review for like like certain news that comes out about snyder cut you never know Maybe. or mon- or the the monster movie <laughs> i guess we'll have to find out we'll have to find out all right we'll see you guys next time thanks for being with us Bye. Bye.